as we close off our time uh, of, of singing and worship. We're going to have Jen here share a word that she feels the Lord is downloading onto her. And would you share it with us? Um, so during Move Your Heart, I was just sitting there and I started reading through three different chapters. And so the first was Luke 7, where the woman comes in to the Pharisee's house and just pours out her, and it's called her beautiful alabaster jar filled with probably a year's worth wages of perfume onto his feet. And she's crying and blessing him and just pouring out a sacrifice. And then I moved to John 13, where Jesus washes the feet of his disciples. And it says that throughout his whole ministry to the very end, he loved them. And he pours out a sacrifice onto their feet. And Peter refuses. And it's almost like he picks his feet up from the ground and is like, no, 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 you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus is like, I'm going to wash your feet. You'll understand. And then obviously Peter walks away. And in John 21, the last chapter of John, he's fishing and doesn't catch a thing all night. He's like fishing at his darkest, his lowest, his most far from Jesus. And Jesus calls to him and he jumps into the water and meets him on the beach. And Jesus has a feast prepared for him for breakfast. And what struck me from that is that he is the God so worthy of a beautiful sacrifice poured out on his feet. He's the God who's so worthy for us to lay down everything at his feet. And yet he's also the servant king. Oh, he's also the servant king that bows at our feet and washes them. And he washes the dirtiest feet. And he delights in reunion. And so, I don't know, I just wanted to invite people into that place of just like being in awe of his grace. And in awe that we serve the most mind-blowing, lavish king that would wash our feet, even though he's deserving of more than we could ever give, that he washes our feet. And he wanna washes your feet tonight. surrender, that we can rest in your presence, that we can rest in the God who, who serves us and leads us at the same time. God, we, we love to be your children. We love to be your disciples. And so I pray that as Gavin speaks tonight, that we can just center ourselves around you, that we can center ourselves around the fact that, that you love us no matter where we are and that we can rest in your presence no matter where we are. In your name, amen. Amen. You may take a seat. Brent, I'm just going to stick with this microphone this evening. Jen, thank you for sharing wherever you went over there. Thank you, Jen. There's been a couple of times so far this semester I've really appreciated um, you sharing personally to me what the Lord is downloading onto you. And so it uh, means a lot. And I, I take those moments uh, pretty close to my heart. And when they are, you know, derived from scripture, 
right? It's in union with what the Lord has spoken already and desires for us to hear. Uh, and so thank you for that. <clears throat> it is good to be in the house of the Lord together. Amen. Come on. It's good to be in the house of the Lord together. Amen. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord here tonight during one of the busiest seasons of your semester. It's good to be here. I know many of you are like questioning that comment, uh, but can I tell you, it is good to be here. I'm just going to do a little bit of a setup here to get things going um, for tonight's message. I'm excited to, uh, I'm excited to share. Um, today, this morning, I got to speak in RELCON and uh, had a good time. And I'm, I'm always very grateful for opportunities to share about things that are going on in my life. I love those moments is to share what God is doing in my life, whether it's through uh, friendships and neighbors and evangelism and outreach and the gospel message to people who are closest and nearest to me, um, to what the Lord has been doing in my family's life for the last uh, just shy of a, a full year now. Uh, it's been really cool. So I get to share some of these stories with you. Uh, in 2016, the summer before Kim and I started here, uh, my wife, Rebecca, and I, and that summer celebrated 10 years of pure wedding bliss, okay? And uh, we are now rocking 16 years, but in 2016, uh, we celebrated our 10th year anniversary, and so we wanted to do something. We wanted to go somewhere and, and be together and have some fun. So we were, uh, we were parents at that uh, time with one child. Seth was about two, just, uh, just over two years old. Uh, at that time, Rebecca was pregnant with Simeon uh, when we were celebrating our 10th year anniversary. And so we wanted to go somewhere. We wanted to do something. But Rebecca was in that like second trimester stage of being pregnant where she was like starting to feel big and uncomfortable. And so she didn't want to travel somewhere far. She didn't want to be in another country. She didn't want to get on a plane. She doesn't like to go on planes on a good day, let alone in like the middle of a pregnancy. And so she just wanted to go somewhere close. So we went to Whistler. We had uh, a friend of ours uh, bless us by giving us his timeshare for just shy of a week. So we got to go to Whistler uh, on somebody else's dime. And then we had some people bless us uh, with some gift cards and some restaurant gift cards that uh, worked for restaurants in Whistler. And so we were like, wow, we get like accommodations paid for. We're so blessed. We get to uh, have our food pretty much paid for. Wonderful. And so we had some money saved up that we were anticipating for our 10th year to possibly go somewhere. So what we decided to do is like, okay, we're in Whistler for five days. We're going to just have a good time in Whistler for five days with the money that we would have normally spent on travel and accommodations. So we like, we did it all. Like we went to like expensive restaurants and like also got dessert after the meal. It was really fancy. Uh, we also went on the like peak to peak gondola and had a great time. And on Black, uh, Black Mountain, right? Um, there's the restaurant that's up there. Well, we decided to eat while we were up there rather than just going up to see the view and back down. And we decided to go on the zip line. There's one of these zip lines where it's like four different zip lines and they're like a kilometer long each zip line. And you can get up to like 80 kilometers an hour. Uh, and so we decided to go on a zip line together. And Rebecca hid that she was pregnant at the time because we didn't know if we were allowed to go on the zip line if she would have been pregnant. So we didn't say a thing. And uh, we had a great time. And we also went for the first time to this spa. 
the spa in Whistler called the Scandinav Spa. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, so the Scandinav Spa, first time I had been there was on our 10th year anniversary. And uh, so we like booked, uh, oh, you know also what I did before we get to the spa? I went mountain biking on Whistler Mountain with my cousin during our uh, 10 year anniversary. I was like, Rebecca, I know we're together in this moment, but like my cousin is here and we could go mountain biking. And so she was lovely <laughs> and she let me go mountain biking. Uh, so we went to the spa and uh, at the spa, if you've, Never been. Let me explain it for you. So it is like an oasis of hot pools. It's, it's beautiful. It's in Whistler, so there's nature and there's greenery and trees. And it's like this paradise of all these different hot pools and warm pools and cold pools. And there's saunas and there's steam rooms. And there's like these inside covered dry rooms is what they're called. Sounds weird. I know, but like sometimes it rains and so you need to have a place indoors, right? Uh, and then they have these outdoor patios with fireplaces and there's multiple deck chairs and there's um, like awnings, not awnings. What are those things you lie on that are in trees? Hammocks, thank you. Be weird if it was awnings, right? <laughs> that would work, I guess. Um, they had these hammocks that you could lie in and it was, it was awesome. There was one rule though. You weren't allowed to talk while you're there. Not allowed to talk at all while you're in this place. So I was like, that sounds amazing. I would love to do that. They also have the opportunity that you can like, purchase a massage and there's like professional masseuse there and you can get a massage. I'm not a huge massage person. Rebecca loves them. And so we booked our time to go to the Scandinav spa. You walk in and there's like these tiki huts at like the entrance that you could like rent out. It was really cool. And you get to the entrance and it's beautiful. You get like towels and a robe handed to you, right? Like you're at a spa. So it happens. And she wanted to do a massage. So she did a 90 minute massage, like the full tilt, right? It was our anniversary. We got to go for it. We had the money. And I decided I didn't want a massage. I don't really like them. So I just wanted to go sit in a hot tub and soak and like become like a raisin for a couple of hours. That's what I wanted to do. And so as we get there, she gets her massage booked and she's off to the massage and I'm about to go into the pools and the, the lady at the desk, she's like, have you heard of our hydrotherapy? I was like, no, I have not heard of your hydrotherapy. Please tell me. And so she proceeded to tell me about this concept, what they do at the spa there is you go through these cycles where you go into the hot pools. And I like, I like the hot pools, not the medium hot pools where it's like 104 degrees Celsius or it's nice and warm. And like you just perspire just by sitting in there. That's what I like. So they told me to go into the hot pools for about five to 10 minutes. And then after the hot pool, you go into the cold pool, like the really icy cold pool. And they got a bit of like a, a mini waterfall one. And you plunge into the cold pool for like 10 to 15 seconds and just freak your body out from going super hot to super cold. And then you, you go in one of the hammocks or the deck chairs and you sit by the fire or you go into the dry area room and you just relax. You do nothing. You just sit there. And ultimately what you're doing is your body is getting overcooked. Your body's temperature is rising. And it's getting super hot. And then you plunge into the cold pool water and you shock it and it gets super cold. And then you sit by the fire and on the deck chair and you just let your body temperature regulate itself for about 20 minutes. It takes about 30 minutes or so. Then start over and you do it again. 
And you just cycle through this like hot water, freak out of cold water, and then relax by the fire and you can't say anything. And you're literally like this close to people and complete strangers. And you're like, and you're like no obligation to chit chat because you're not allowed to talk. It's fantastic. And so Rebecca did her 90 minute massage. And so by the time she came out to the pool, I had already done three cycles of this hydrotherapy. And I was like, Rebecca, you need to try this. And you can't talk. So we're trying to whisper about this hydrotherapy and I'm explaining it to her. And she didn't care. She doesn't want to do any of it. So I proceeded to continue in this hydrotherapy context of the cycles for four hours. We were there for over five hours. I did eight cycles of this hydrotherapy. And I like, I overdid it. <laughs> I didn't know my limit <laughs> the first time around at the Scandinav spa. And I was seriously, by the last time I was like sitting by the fire, I was like by Rebecca. And I was like, Rebecca, I cannot move. I am literally stuck here for the rest of the day. And I was so relaxed. I cannot think of a moment more in my life where my body was so at like bliss of relaxation in that moment. Our contemplative spirituality is the same concept of building cycles and rhythms into our lives that the Lord wants to spend time with us by us reading his word. He wants to spend time with us, with us slowing down and having loving union with him. He wants to spend time with us where we set specific times of the week that we cycle through over and over for us to find peace and relaxation and ultimately rest in him. And this picture of this hydrotherapy to me is one of the closest images that I can think in the topic that we're going to talk about tonight, which is the Sabbath. We're going to talk about a rhythm of rest. I've used the word rhythm before. You've heard me use the word. The meaning of the word rhythm is a pace or events as they unfold. The regularity of that pace, the overall tempo. So if we place that into our lives I believe in our context and in our culture, we live at a tempo. We live at a pace that we were not designed for. We go way too quick onto the next thing and onto the next thing and adding this and adding this. And the pace is at a way too quick of a tempo for us to keep up with. And because of it, there's increased frustration. There's increased anxiety. There's increased stress and distraction in our lives today. Anybody feeling that right now, the beginning of November? Increase stress, increase in distraction, increase in anxiety and frustration. So tonight we're going to talk about a long-standing spiritual practice that slows us down and creates a healthy pace and allows us to commune with God on a very regular cycle over and over again that brings us to a place of peace and relaxation. You with me? Yay, I'm so glad the three of you said yes. I am so excited to preach to the three of you tonight. Believe me. And the rest of you, I hope you catch something too, okay? Like when I preach, I just like some banter back and forth. So I know you're still awake and alive and with me. Amen? Come on, I knew you could do it. Okay, so we're going to read out of the book of Exodus. For those of you who do have your Bibles here, you're more than welcome to open up to Exodus chapter 31. Verse 12 to 18 says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, 
You must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it is to be put to death. Those who do any work on the day must be cut off from their people. For six days, work is to be done, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, excuse me, whoever is, where am I at? Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day, he rested and he was refreshed. Amazing that the Lord was refreshed. And when the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two tablets to the covenant law, the tablets of stone inscribed by the finger of God. Do you know what happens when exhaustion sets into our life? Some are like, yeah, I'm feeling it right now. Can I tell you about my day? Exhaustion, when it sets in, our thinking deteriorates. Like it just like crumbles, right? Our ability to process information adequately plummets. Our emotions become numbed to all the things that are surrounding us. We, We become insensitive. We become rude. We're inconsiderate. Some of you are like, oh yeah, let me tell you about my day. And also we become indecisive. When exhaustion sets in, we become indecisive and often make bad or wrong choices. I think it landed. And you know, one way to beat exhaustion in your life is to Sabbath on a very regular basis. Is to Sabbath. And to enjoy a gift that God has given to his people. And so I want to talk about Sabbath tonight in three different ways that Sabbath is spoken about in Scripture. The first is this, that it is a gift. Sabbath is a gift from God. It says in verse 16 that the Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for generations to come. Like, what do you do during times of celebration? You often give and receive gifts in a time of celebration. And the Sabbath is a gift from God. The Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, and it's meaning intermission or break. It also means to seize or to rest. Like it is a literal 24-hour period to stop work, to rest, to delight, and to contemplate on God. And God gave the Sabbath to the Israelites. Actually, the word Sabbath is first mentioned in chapter 16. So if we just like rewind a little bit to chapter 16 in the book of Exodus, is the first mention of the word Sabbath. The Lord is, is speaking to Moses at this time, telling Moses what to say to instruct the Israelites on what to do specifically regarding food. Okay, so they've, they've made their exodus out of Egypt. God has saved and redeemed them out of Egypt. They are now beginning their wandering journey in the desert for 40 years. And so they're going to need food. And so the Lord shows that he is a God who provides by providing food for them, for quail in the evening and what in the morning? Manna in the morning. And so he gives this explanation to Moses and tells him what to say to the Israelites. He says, quail will be at the camp in the morning. They can eat the quail. 
And then in the mornings, there will be this dew on the ground. And as it dries, it will become this frost-like substance that they are to go out into the fields and to collect a certain amount of manna they are to bring into their families to eat for that day. They're not to, to collect an over amount, supposed to be an omer amount for your food, what is necessary for the size of your family. And if they were to collect extra and keep it, it rotted and maggots began to grow in it. And they were to every morning collect a certain amount and bring it to their families as a way to trust that God is going to provide for them each and every single day. And so some, of course, gathered too much food and then there was maggots in their food. He also then said that they are to not go out on the seventh day to collect food, that God would provide extra amount of food. They should gather extra amount, two times the amount on the sixth day so that it could keep for the next day. And guess what the Israelites did? They still went out to go look for food and there was none there on the seventh day. Again, having a difficult time to trust the daily cyclical provision of God. So it says in chapter 16, on the sixth day, they were to gather twice as much. Moses said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever it is left and keep it until morning. The Lord has given you the Sabbath. That's the first mention of it. In verse 29, that is why on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. The food didn't spoil on the seventh day, even though they gathered twice as much on the sixth day. Every other day it would spoil. This is the first mention in scriptures about the word Sabbath, and it's in the context of a gift to the Israelites. Even before the Ten Commandments was even written, even before Moses had made it to Mount Sinai, before all of that, God gave the Israelites the Sabbath as a gift. Uh, This past summer, we had an incredible heat wave that took place over across our nation. And the person I felt most terrible for was our good friend, Daphne, because Daphne stayed with our family this summer. And in mine and Rebecca's room, we had a portable AC unit. In Seth and Simeon's room, they had a portable AC unit, and we did not have an extra portable AC unit for Daphne. And so she suffered for quite a few weeks in that heat. Uh, And during that heat, my boys and I, uh, we decided to go camping. Now, I booked the camping time slot well before we knew this heat wave was going to hit, okay? Uh, And it's a yearly tradition that the boys and I do that we go out into the wilderness and we get really manly out of BC Provincial Park and we like, we fight off bears, really bugs and mosquitoes and we just be guys together. And we're silly and we have fun and I'm basically just cooking food the whole time and they're eating it and they're jumping around in the tent. And I have a picture of our boys. Uh, They love to jump around on the tent. So Seth and Simeon are on the left. That's day one. I just set up camp. They're so excited. All they did the year previously because it rained the whole time that we were camping is they just jumped on the beds in the tent. So they were all excited about just jumping on the beds in the tent. The second picture is them literally one hour later. (laughs) Absolutely caked and exhausted because of the heat that we were camping in. It was, I think it got up to 43 degrees in Chilliwack during that like peak of it all. 
And my boys have a ton of energy. They are constantly going from 7 a.m. to about 7.45 p.m. constantly throughout the day. And in one hour, they were just literally cooked and gassed because of the heat. I love summer, but it pushed us physically. We were exhausted. Not only were we exhausted physically, but we were exhausted mentally. Like, look at Seth's face there on the pillow. Like, he is just like, are we done with this camping yet? Like, can it not be over by now? And it's literally one hour into our camping. <laughs> like, the, I think of the Israelites in the beginning of their desert journey. It would have been hot, and the Lord provided for them. But I'm certain that they got tired physically. And not only did they get tired physically, I'm certain that they got tired mentally. We know they did, because in Scripture, they grumbled and they complained. They actually got so bad that they wished they were back in slavery in Egypt. That's how tired they were mentally as well as physically. Their bodies were tired. Their mental state, they were exhausted. And God knows the needs for his people. He is a God who provides for them every single day. And so he gave them the gift of Sabbath. And we may not be wandering the desert for 40 years, and it may no longer be like the heat wave of 2021, but we can all agree that we have been physically fatigued before, right? And some of you may be facing that right now that you are physically tired. You're physically fatigued. Your sleep schedule is way off. You go to bed way too late. The time you get up in the morning is extremely inconsistent. And your sleep cycle and your bedtime habits are not strong and you're feeling physically tired. Some of you are like, I actually get a decent amount of sleep every night, yet I'm still exhausted every day. And that's not just physically exhausted. There's also a mental fatigue that many of you have faced. And many of you right now are facing. You have class and there's assignments due. There's this post-exam fatigue that you're like, when is this post-exam fatigue going to wear off? When am I just going to get back into this mental state of motivation so I can get my homework done? And you're just waiting for this motivation to kick in eventually. You're mentally fatigued. But more than all of that, I know many of you are facing a fatigue of the soul as well. Like you're spiritually depleted and you don't know why and you don't know what to do. And you're at a Bible college and you're feeling spiritually depleted when you think, isn't this a place I should be most alive spiritually? And yet in this moment, I feel gassed. I feel like Seth right there in that moment spiritually, Lord, what? I don't, it's only been two months and I already feel like this and we have six to go. Like, can I make it? And spiritually we feel depleted. And I know we discuss these, these tips to stay healthy, right? To care for self and like hydrate well and to get your heart rate up. I had a conversation literally not even two hours ago, this conversation about getting exercise and fresh air and taking care of ourselves, but we cannot come to the conclusion that self-care is the same thing as soul care because they're not. They're very different from each other. Self-care is good, but self-care is not the same thing as soul care. And this is why God gave the Sabbath to his people as a gift 
that on the seventh day of every week, that they are to go through a rhythmic cycle of working hard for six days, of working well to glorify God in what they do and to trust that each and every day he's going to provide. And on the seventh day, his provision comes in a new way, in a different way, in a way that we get to be still and to rest and to be at peace and to be at ease. Sabbath is a day of presence. It's not just a day of resting. It's not just a day of sleeping in. It's not just a day of doing nothing. That is an element of it. That is not the entirety of it. It's not just a day from seizing from work. One of my favorite authors, Rich Velotis, he says, we keep Sabbath not because it makes us more productive by resting, but we uh, keep a Sabbath to resist the idol of productivity. We are more than what we produce. And we get so stuck in this concept that the value of who I am of a human being is by the fact of what I can produce or make a difference in this world. By how hard I push, by how hard I attend class, by how hard I push myself at chapel or my student ministry. And if I'm not taking every opportunity given to me to be in some kind of shape of influence to those around me, I'm going to be nothing. Like I'm no one then. Like, I I believe in hard work in class. I believe in hard work in getting your assignments done and on time. I believe in hard work in being consistent in the opportunities that we provide here, both in the, the chapel format, Mondays and Wednesdays, in our prayer times, whether it's uh, in campus, in the dorms, or here at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night where we have pre-service prayer. I'm so for these regular timed events, but that's not what gives you meaning and purpose. What gives you meaning and purpose is who you are and how God has created you in his image. And it's in a day like the Sabbath that we can teach and remind ourselves that, right, it's not just about the work that I do. It's about who I am as a person that Christ has came to love and save and desires union with me. And because of that meaning and purpose of loving union with Christ, Oh man, I want to put myself to work to glorify him and all I want to do. So Sabbath, it's not just a day of reward because we've worked hard. It's a day of rest and presence and acknowledgement of who I really am in Jesus. And because I find out who I really am in Jesus on a day of rest, oh man, I want to work hard for six days of this week and worship him in all that I do. So it's not just a rest of of making things. It's a rest of needing to make something of ourselves. It's a day of celebration. Like it's a day of celebration. You know what the celebrating it is? For me this year, for 2021, it's a day of celebrating my limits. That's a word that is in this book, Emotional Healthy Leader, that Kim and I and our RA team have been working through and our student leadership team. We've talked a bit about Sabbath at our retreat at the beginning of the year. And limits is a key word that has stuck out to me and has made an impact on my life this year. And Sabbath has, has allowed me to come to a place where I have accepted who I am as a limited human being. And I have said no to more things this year than any other year in my entire life. And it's really one of the first times that I've actually come to a place where I love my limits. 
Like I've acknowledged my weaknesses before and the things I'm not good at. Now that's, that's different though. Like I'm a limited person in the impact that I can make because of the place in which God has, is surrounding me with here at work, more importantly at home with my family, as a husband and as a, as a father. I have limits and I have really enjoyed the fact that I can only make the impact in where God has limited me at and that is enough for him. Like it's been so wonderful this year learning that. It's been a little bit difficult. And at times I'm like, oh man, I would love to be able to do this. I think it would be so cool to be a part of this. And I've said no to things that I've actually really wanted to do. But by saying no, I'm like, wow, I'm actually just enjoying myself a little bit more. I'm enjoying my life a little bit more. I'm not like, Lord, when is this week going to be over? Like I'm not there as much as I was last year, if I'm honest. Like I was there last year a couple of times, but I'm not there anymore. And I've had quite a busy week specifically this week, but yet I'm still just enjoying the journey of what this week has been because God has been so faithful in mine and my family's life this year because we've Sabbath pretty much regularly ever since the beginning of this calendar year. Like, I don't mean that to brag, but like, honestly, I'm very happy and excited that this is the first year in my life that I have literally taken this gift that seriously, that every weekend, Rebecca and I and our boys, we Sabbath together. And it's been a really true delight. That's why I have these candles here. Uh, I like to bring a little bit of an object lesson each time we come to chapel and I get the opportunity to preach. Uh, we light these candles every Friday night at 5 p.m. And that's like the sign that we begin our Sabbath. Uh, and you can see over the, the year, we have used different colored candles. There's white and red. We're in our fall color candles right now. That's why we got these ones. Uh, and every Friday night at 5 p.m., Seth gets to light the tall one because he's taller. And Simeon lights the short one because he's smaller. And that's how it works in our family every Friday night. And we have made Sabbath this year as a family about celebrating our limits, about celebrating who we are and how God has made us and how he delights in just us being us. And we come to this place of acceptance of who we are. And I now have this true desire to just max out my limit. And then when I hit my limit, like I'm good. And I'm strong and I feel healthy and I'm very grateful for it. So Sabbath is a gift. Second, Sabbath is a command. Also says in verse 16 of our passage here tonight, that they are to celebrate it for generations to come as a lasting covenant. So in our original passage in Exodus 31, Moses is on what mountain? Mount Sinai. And there's some big key things that took place when Moses was up on that mountain. Uh, one of the biggest things that happened, could you tell me what it is? The Ten Commandments. Yeah, come on. Who is that, Rihanna? Is that you? Way to go, girl. Okay. God gave the Ten Commandments. What? I'm happy. <laughs> you just threw me way off here. God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. He gave him his covenant to his people. And he called his people 
to follow this law, to follow these commands, and that if they were to be obedient and follow these commands, that the Lord would make them a holy nation, right? He would make them a holy nation, a kingdom of priests. And so it says in Exodus 20, it says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. In Jewish law, it gives the Sabbath the status above every other day of celebration as a holy day. Each of the festivals of celebration culminate on the Sabbath day. And the Sabbath day is the first holy day mentioned in scripture. And there's this command, this covenant in the fourth of the 10th commandment that God says, keep the Sabbath holy. You must rest on the Sabbath day. In our original passage, there's some real harsh words on resting on the Sabbath day to the point that if you do not rest on the Sabbath day, what happens? You die. By law, you are to be removed from your people and killed. Yikes! God put the death penalty on the Sabbath. He didn't do that on any of the other commandments. He put the death penalty on the Sabbath. Like it's on the same list of not committing adultery. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't have any idols. And this is the one that he chose to put the death penalty to. Really? We believe we can violate though this command and it's okay to violate it. Yet we would never touch the other ones. No way. Could you commit adultery? Are you kidding me? No way. Steal? That is wrong. Having idols? I can't believe it. Work every day? That's okay. The Lord will forgive you. But yet he put the death penalty to this one. Now we don't keep the commandments to be saved, right? We're no longer under the Mosaic covenant. We are in the new covenant. Praise Jesus. We are in the new covenant. But we do understand that keeping the commandments still to this day, if we do so, that we will be blessed. Would you agree with that? Like if we stick to these commands, we will be blessed. If we don't stick to them, there'll be consequences, right? Like if you commit adultery, there's going to be consequences. If you steal, there's going to be consequences. If you lie, there's going to be consequences. And can I tell you, if you break the Sabbath, there are consequences in your life. Again, we are not under the Mosaic law anymore by God's good grace and Christ's sacrifice that we are no longer under that covenant. So no one's going to be put to death. No one's going to be removed from campus and stoned to death by not taking a Sabbath. I promise you we're not going to do that. But you and I both know that if we don't take a break from work, it's going to kill us. It'll kill your joy. It'll kill your peace. It'll kill your hope. It will also kill your vision of like, why am I here? Why did God bring me here again? And I don't know if I feel the same passion about where God's called me to as I once did because you're exhausted spiritually. And so it's a command that the Lord blessed 
And he made the Sabbath holy to be set apart, meaning different than anything else. So the seventh day is to not look like the other six. God knows what he needs for his children. And every day he provided for them, for their needs, including the Sabbath day. The needs are different on that day. A work is to be done for six days. But on the seventh day, the Sabbath day, is a day to stop work, to enjoy rest, to practice delight, and to contemplate on God. That's the Sabbath day. So uh, our family, we celebrate Sabbath on Friday night at 5 p.m. to Saturday evening at 5 p.m. And it's been a lot of fun and extremely challenging, if I'm honest. So we start up, really, our Sabbath starts, ultimately it starts like at the beginning of the week, like Monday, honestly. We have to think starting Monday, how is the week going to look like so we can make sure that we practice Sabbath properly on Friday night and Saturday. And so it means that work has to be done. Rebecca works at our church. Sunday morning is a work day for her. We actually used to Sabbath Saturday into Sunday until she got hired on for our kids pastor at our church for the mat leave of our children's pastor. And so now we Sabbath Friday to Saturday. And so we like, it's work day Sunday for her. It's football right now for me Sunday evening. And then it's like work day, work day, work day as hard as I can to get everything done. Tuesday night is laundry night. So we don't have any laundry to do on the weekend. And Thursday morning before I come into work right now, it is like cleaning our toilets because I don't have time to do it Friday afternoon. Friday is chore day in our household. The boys come home from a a week of school and they're excited that it's the weekend. And we're like to the shores boys. Like it's awesome. They hate it, but we love it. And so Seth has to vacuum the living room and the stairs every single week. Simi gets his little dust glove and he's like around the house, dusting every hard service that there is. Our coffee table is like this big square. So it's awesome. He's like full body dusting it like every single Friday afternoon. Right. And they have their chores to do. Mine's the bathrooms. Mine's making sure the kitchen like sink area is clean. Rebecca does the laundry. She does basically kind of the, all the things that nobody else really wants to do because she's that beautiful and wonderful. Although nobody really likes to do bathrooms, so I get to participate in that. But Friday afternoon is literal chore day so that by the time we hit Friday night, we can do nothing. We're in a clean space. We're happy and we're satisfied and we can breathe in the chaotic Briscoe household. God comes and he meets us as we light our candles and we talk about Sabbath every Friday night with our boys. We read some form of scripture or out of our devotional book that we have on our kitchen table and we start our Sabbath. Daphne's been a part of some of those as she lived with us in the summer. Uh, we now have come to the point where we're inviting people over for our Friday night Sabbath dinner as a way to start our weekend. And it's been awesome. Loved it. Uh, it gets a little chaotic. Uh, we make sure the dishwasher is empty before dinner on Friday night. So when the food is done, we can just throw everything into the dishwasher and just leave it alone. Dishes will pile up all day Saturday, but we just leave it until Saturday evening because we, I don't want to do dishes on the Sabbath. Saturday is now known as Platter Day in our household. 
Because what Rebecca does is she will on Thursday or Friday put together a platter of like fruit and veggies and cheese and meats. So then on Saturday, we just pick on this platter all day long. And it's like, you're never really hungry. You're never really full. And you just kind of make your way through the day and it's awesome. That is what our Saturday Sabbath is. And then she doesn't have to do any cooking. And I don't have to do any preparation or cleanup for any of the meals. So our Friday night dinner and our platter day is a huge part of our Sabbath. Another thing that uh, Sabbath is claimed at in our scripture and in, in the Bible here is that it is a sign. Sabbath is a sign. And in verse 17, it says, It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. Turn to your neighbor and say, Forever. Okay, forever, but I, I thought... I thought the Mosaic Covenant ended. I thought we're in the New Covenant now. How come it says the word forever if we're no longer under that same Mosaic Covenant? And the Sabbath is a signpost. It's a promise. It's a signpost that the Sabbath was much more than just a day of physical rest. That it is a signpost to the one who makes spiritual rest possible. Right? He gave the Sabbath to the Israelites in the desert as a promise that there is a coming day of rest for them. There is a promised land that they will eventually get to, or their family will at least eventually get to, is what the reality was. There was a promised land of rest, of milk and honey and bliss and hydrotherapy cycles and just over and over again feeling good. There was a promise of that to come. And God said, I'm giving you a day now to live as though you were already in the promised land in an anticipation of what's to come. Live now as if you were already in that promised land. And not only just the promised land, but the Sabbath and the festivals and the feasts and the sabbatical years every seven years and the year of Jubilee, they all pointed to the person of Jesus Christ, that he would one day come and he, the Lord of the Sabbath, would end the work effort to attain salvation as what was under the law for the Israelites. And so Jesus came and proclaimed the year of Jubilee and Luke 4. Who was I talking about that with? Lauren, was that you? Yeah, today. We're just talking about it today. Jesus came to proclaim the year of Jubilee, that he's going to set captives free, that debt is going to be forgiven, that slavery will be no longer, just like as the Israelites exited out of Egypt, free from slavery. Jesus came to free us from the slavery of sin. And so the Sabbath was given in the desert to relieve man from his work. Jesus came to relieve man's attempt to achieve salvation through works. And so today we get to live as the Israelites lived. Yes, we are no longer under the command of it. Therefore, if we break it, we don't get killed. Thank you, Jesus. But it's still a gift that if we obey these commands, we will be blessed. And we get to live today as the Israelites did, free from slavery of Egypt, free from the slavery of sin, and to live believing and knowing that Christ is going to return and retrieve us. And there is a promised land, a promised hope of eternity that we will one day have. And we get to live like that now 
every seventh day in anticipation that Christ is going to return and give us eternal rest. Isn't that amazing? The Sabbath is still a gift given to us today to take a day of rest and to live in anticipation that Christ is going to return. Uh, Levi, I'll have you come up and just strum on the guitar for a little bit. I'm going to change things up here. Just, I want to be sensitive to our time tonight and how we close. A couple of times I've mentioned some points to specifically what a Sabbath day looks like and the words of stopping, resting, delighting, and contemplating God I've mentioned a couple of times. Uh, And so those four words come from a book called Emotional Healthy Spirituality. Pete Scazzaro is the author of that. He's also written other books about leadership and discipleship. Uh, And he speaks specifically that there's these four key Uh, ideas on a Sabbath day that we must participate in all of them to have a godly, biblical, healthy Sabbath. And I appreciate his writing on this. So he says we need to stop our duties, to stop our responsibilities, to stop our worries and our stresses and our anxiousness. And the core issue to stopping isn't just the fact that we're busybodies and have a hard time stopping. It's because we don't trust that God's going to provide for us. And God showed the Israelites that he is a God who provides day in and day out, day in and day out in these rhythmic cycles to bless and to love his children. And so we're called to stop and we're called to rest. We get to rest on Sabbath days, to rest from our work, our physical exhaustion, our hurriedness, our multitasking, our competitiveness, to rest from our our decision-making and catching up on errands, to rest from technology and social media. We could use a bit of rest from that. A rest from comparison, comparison ourselves. Comparison, comparison ourselves. Is that right? Comparing. Wow, that was a tough one. (laughs) I knew it was wrong. But a rest from comparing ourselves to other people. I'm limited in vocabulary, okay, guys? I'm okay with it this year. I've learned to be okay with it. And we're called to delight. To delight because after God finished his work in creation, he proclaimed it was good. He just enjoyed it. He enjoyed his creation. And he desires for us to just enjoy and delight in his creation as well. So that's one of our things that we do try to do as best that we can. We're not perfect at it, is we try to get outside every single Saturday, even if it's for a moment, even if it's just like in our front driveway and to say hi to our neighbors. We just get outside. We usually like to go to the river, especially in the summers, we get to ride our bikes and get to parks and our kids get to jump around. We just want to be outside and enjoy creation. We also let our boys play video games on Saturday because we don't let them do that Monday to Friday. And so there's days where they, all they want to do is just play video games. And we're like, okay, great. We just get to rest here because that's, they're enjoying and they're delighting in that. We're just delighting being together. And so we delight. And then last, we get to contemplate God. We get to contemplate that Christ is going to return. We get to contemplate that who I am, he adores And the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, chose to wash our feet because he adores and wants to spend time with us. Oh my goodness. And that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is going to one day come and retrieve me, his bride, and take us with him to eternity in heaven. 
And we get to contemplate that and to think how wonderful and glorious that will be. And we get to live one day a week as though we are already in eternity with Jesus, contemplating about his goodness and his love in our lives. And so can I encourage you in this contemplative spirituality theme that we're in, in the remainder of your semester, in the busyness of your lives, I know they're busy. I know you're physically fatigued, mentally fatigued, and spiritually fatigued. Can I tell you to get into a rhythmic cycle, a healthy biblical tempo and pace, and I believe God will bless you. He will energize you, and he will give you rest better than any hydrotherapy could ever do for you. And so we have these handouts that uh, Kirsten and Anthony will have at the door. I'll finish with this. In our uh, leadership retreat at the beginning of the year, uh, we got away to a camp and it was beautiful. And it was wonderful. It was very relaxing. And we talked about Sabbath. And we encouraged every single one of our student leaders to practice Sabbath this year. And there has been some success stories and there's been some struggle stories. But it's wonderful because it's not about just completing a Sabbath. It's about practicing it and enjoying the journey and the grind of it all. And I talked about creating a container of what your Sabbath could look like. It's real practical, okay? And so what I did is I printed off my notes of this container and I put it in handout format and Kim helped me out because I apparently suck at that stuff. I'm limited, okay? And, uh, and so we have it in a handout format for you to take and to read it over. And it really just goes through six points on how you can create a healthy biblical Sabbath for you to take part of every single week. And can I encourage you to take it and to read it over? And can I encourage you, this is my last one for tonight, is when the Israelites were called to Sabbath, they were called to Sabbath together. Like they were told to celebrate it together. Still today, Jewish families celebrate Sabbath together. And we often, in these kind of spiritual practices of contemplative spirituality, we kind of personalize it and we think, okay, I have to do my Bible reading. Okay, I have to Sabbath this one day a week. Okay, I have to do this. Okay, I have to do that. And really, what we're calling you to do is to realize that our rhythms and our pace, we should do together. And it's when we are together, oh man, what a rich blessing it is in our lives. And so I encourage you to Sabbath with people. It is incredibly fulfilling and satisfying. So I'm going to pray a blessing over you and then we'll dismiss chapel for tonight. And may I encourage you to grab one of those handouts and read through it tonight and find a time this week and every week for the rest of this semester to Sabbath with the Lord. Would you stand with me? Jesus, I thank you that ultimately you give us the rest that our bodies desire. You give us the rest that our souls and our spirits need. And it is out of that rest that we find true relaxation, oh, true freedom and true rest, both mentally and physically and emotionally. Lord, it starts with you. We acknowledge that the true Sabbath is you that you are the one who brings peace. You are the one who brings hope. You are the one who brings true rest into our lives. Lord, I want to pray over every single person in this room 
for the word that you had spoken tonight, that it would pierce their hearts and that they would find conviction in their hearts to say, okay, I'm going to take a time each and every single week to commit to you, to set it apart from the other six days and to find true rest and delight and time spent contemplating and thinking of you. Out of it, Lord, I pray great success in their lives. I pray great blessings in their lives, that they would succeed well in their assignments, that they would do well in their classes, that they would find by resting well and Sabbathing well, that they would be more focused, they would have more energy, they would have more joy and hope and delight, and they would affect every area of their life. I pray this over each and every single one of them. In your name, Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for this moment for this rhythm that we have of Wednesday night chapels to find ourselves together glorifying and honoring you. We pray this in your wonderful and holy name, the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. May God bless you. I pray that you find a time this next week and every week to Sabbath with the Lord. God bless you. Have a great night. My mind is like